I heard Jim Lovelady say recently, I don't have the mental bandwidth for that. And I had to agree because I felt that way lately too. I bet you have as well. Can you remember those old days when we used to be able to shop anywhere? And uh, I remember trying to go into a coffee place to order something and I'd have to let people ahead of me because there were too many choices for me to make on the spot. Did you ever wish that instead of four or five dozen choices, there were only four or five? We face so many decisions, especially these days, that overwhelm us. Now, when it comes to living before God, it's refreshing to know that Jesus concludes his Sermon on the Mount by talking about the most important decision you can make, and there's only two choices. So today, we're going to conclude the series that we began in January, God's New Humanity. We began learning about two kingdoms, God's and Satan's, two kinds of attitudes, uh, two types of devotion, pleasing God or pleasing other people, two treasures, one in heaven, one on earth, two ways to look at this life, worry about things or trust in our Father in heaven. Today, as Jesus concludes the sermon, we hear Jesus challenge us to make the most important decision ever, since it leads to life. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, um, follow me, please, as I read from verse 13 in chapter 7 down through verse 23. This begins the conclusion of Jesus' sermon. And as I read it, listen for the pairing of twos. He'll talk about two gates and two roads and two destinations. Then he'll talk about two kinds of prophets, false and true. And then he'll talk about two kinds of disciples who live in two different ways. Here's what Jesus says, Matthew 7, 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one 
who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did not we prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Jesus tells us that every one of us is on a journey somewhere, since life is linear, right? It's not circular. We're born, we grow up, we grow old, and eventually we die. And Jesus says that after death, we continue on the same road we chose when we were alive. We either choose to walk through the narrow gate to life with God, or we choose to go through the wide gate that ends up in destruction. There's no third gate. There's no middle road, and there's no third eternal destiny or no eternal destiny. Jesus says, be careful of false prophets, teachers who will try to persuade you that the broad road is really the road to life. And he concludes by warning people that it's not what you say that counts, it's what you do. If you know Jesus, you will live for Jesus. Hard words, but very, very important words, since it's the most important decision you will ever make to enter the road that leads to life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way. Now, the final paragraph that I'd like us to look at is the final story that Jesus tells in this long Sermon on the Mount. And it's a story about two buildings, two houses, and two foundations underneath the houses. Follow me as I read verses 24 through 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Two houses, two foundations a rock-solid foundation, and sand. This simple story shows us how we know 
that we are following Jesus on the road to life and not to destruction. We are either building our lives on that rock or on sinking sand. Almost all of us have been to the beach where you may have built sand castles, right? We did it with our kids. I do it now with my grandkids. And uh, how fun is that to be able to uh, do a mini construction site right there to build walls and castles and uh, towers and maybe even uh, a moat that you could dig out around the walls and pour some water in even though the water quickly disappears. Well, have you ever walked along the beach and seen some people who are really pros at this? <laughs> I remember seeing some that I had to take a picture of because, wow, how many hours and people did that take? And yet, the next day, when I take a morning walk on the beach, none of those sand castles are there because the waves come in when the tide comes up and it washes it all away. What does it mean to build your life on sand? Well, Jesus says it, it, it means not practicing, not doing what Jesus says when you hear his words. Listening, but not doing. And he says if you only hear and never do, your life is going to fall apart sooner or later. Just like the sandy foundation, your life will crumble bit by bit, and eventually it'll be destroyed. Hasn't this been a time to think about what life really means when things get disrupted? And compared to people in generations before, we have it kind of easy because the power's still on and the fact that I'm able to video myself and then send it out and you can watch it and you can text other people and call other people and FaceTime other people, at least the power's still on. But still, it's rough. It's fearful, especially when you don't know how the story ends. Building on the rock means not that you escape the waves and the winds and the storms. No, no. Christians go through the same thing non-Christians go through. But Jesus followers have the words of Jesus to practice. And that's what gives us life. And he gives us stability and a foundation to live on. So how has it been with you this past week? maybe yesterday. You know, Jesus says the way to test it is if you hear these words of mine and put them into practice, what words of Jesus is he talking about? The Sermon on the Mount. So why don't we go back and see how it's going for you? In the Beatitudes, Jesus said, Here's one example, blessed are the poor in spirit. That is, those who are spiritually so needy 
in their heart that they cry out to God for everything, for forgiveness and for life. Has that been you this week? Are you poor in spirit or are you self-sufficient in your spirit? You'll get through this because you have the resources. No, people who follow Jesus know that God is our refuge and our strength. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Have you been trying to do that wherever you are with the people that are with you, if there is anyone? Looking for ways to make peace and not chaos? Trying to put the fires out instead of starting them? Are you obeying the words of Jesus? Later on in Matthew, he says, you are the light of the world and let your light shine. Are you doing that? Are you looking for opportunities where it's dark to shine God's light, God's love, God's values into those situations, into those people? Conversations that bring up something about God and his beautiful world and the life that he gives us. Later on in chapter 5, he reminds us that we should love our neighbor and not hate our enemy, but rather love our enemy. So this really comes home, doesn't it? Uh, how about your neighbors? Are you showing any love to them? And what does it look like to love your neighbor at a time like this? Of course, you have to keep your distance. You have to be careful for their sake and for your sake and for other people's sake. But still, in what ways are you proactively reaching out to your neighbors, even to the people that you don't like? We've been so encouraged at Chelton to get emails from our people who say, I want to be able to help people. If they want to go shopping, I'll shop for them. If there's a need they have and they don't want to leave their home, can you put us on the list? And so we're starting to compile a list, helping our deacons and deaconesses serve people with real needs, both inside our church and outside our church. In chapter 6, Jesus tells us to pray, and to pray a certain way. You know how it starts. Our Father. Has your prayer life taken on a new sense of freshness, maybe urgency, because of what we're going through? And how about this petition that seems to have fresh meaning for us? Give us today our daily bread. I think of that every time I open the refrigerator or have a meal. God, God thank you. It may have been frozen and now it's thawing out, or maybe someone brings it to you. God, thank you for every food, every drink that you bring. And that's what Jesus says also in chapter 6, where he says, don't worry about your food and drink. He says it so plainly, and doesn't it mean so much? Don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink. And remember why he says that? Not that we're supposed to be lazy and not care, but he says, 
God is behind everything, and your Father in heaven feeds the birds. Have you heard them chirping outside? It's beautiful. It's spring, and God is behind in nature, helping his creatures survive. These beautiful words of Jesus. Your Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? No, God will take care of you. And then also in chapter 6, he reminds us not to store up treasures for ourselves on earth, but rather in heaven. So what does it look like when your treasures on earth may not be worth what they were last month? What happened in your heart when you looked and saw that your retirement fund is worth far less than it was a month or a year ago? No, Jesus says, store up treasures in heaven and don't worry, I will take care of you. That's the way he concludes the sermon, by asking, what is your life built on? What is the foundation upon which everything you do rests? If it's yourself, if it's the broad road, if it's self-sufficiency and the world around us, can't you see how quickly things can crumble? What a great time to think deeply. And maybe some of you have been only hearing the words of Jesus and not putting them into practice. Do that today. Look to Christ and Christ alone for life. And when you do, you'll find that his way is the best way. And some of you may be discouraged even to hear this because your life has been in turmoil and your heart is upside down and fear is, is about all you can register in your heart these days. Take courage. If you're looking to Jesus, ask him as you pray, our Father, Give me strength by the spirit you've placed in my heart. Give me strength, not for next week, but for today. Give me daily physical bread and spiritual bread. And he will. He really will. And we're here for you as well. I'm so thankful to hear how our deacons and deaconesses and our community group leaders and our women's group leaders and our men's group leaders and our youth leaders and probably so many more people that I'm not aware of are connecting and communicating and praying and listening. Let's keep doing that in the days to come as we put into practice, not just here, but live out the loving, life-giving words of Jesus. Now let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time we can worship you. We love you with all our hearts. And we pray that your words would pierce our souls and give us life and hope. Feed us with bread from heaven as we live with you and live for you 
and follow you on the narrow way that leads to life. We pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen.